I have been searching. Welcome to Following the Fire, a podcast for Christians who are rethinking their faith and need a safe place to doubt. As we wander through the spiritual wilderness, we want to find and follow God wherever the pillar of fire leads. And just like God's people in the Bible, we get lost, we miss the point, and we don't have all the answers. But maybe that's okay. We're on this journey together. I'm Nathan. And I'm Steve. But even on my heart Can't compare with what you're I find it like who I become, huh? Hearing the silence, I hear that lights on my thoughts, huh? It's hard to hear a hated rapper through applause, huh? It's hard to see the authentic with all these frauds, huh? I ain't running from tension, baby, I press it. Cause in these moments, you find an old your investments. I've been speaking to people about my depression. I've been drinking this water, I get my steps in. This been a season of pulling back all the layers, investigating my faith, finding the places that I waver. Having grace upon myself as I restructure my foundation. Put my weight up on the block, I've been building up on my pages for myself. Used to think I really wasn't worthy of no help. They told me need to pull out your pursuits upon the shelf. Took advantage of my gifts and went and built your wealth. Then I broke the chains and I rebelled. Well, we are honored to have with us this episode, Mr. Jake Crum. Um, I, I guess I forgot to ask you how to describe yourself. <laughs> Rapper, artist, producer, business owner. All Is good. that right? Yeah, yeah. All yeah, good. You, you did a good job, man. That's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to start by thanking you for your time. Um, I first came across your music and and you in general on TikTok several months ago. Yeah. Back when I thought that TikTok was for kids making stupid dances. <laughs> right, right. It, that it took me a while to jump on the app because I I thought the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the the honestly, and we'll get to this in a minute. But clarity just like hit me square square in the middle of the eyes. That, that, oh, good. That's that song of yours. That was really impactful for me, and um, I've I've loved sharing sharing your stuff with friends and uh, just hearing what you have to say. Not not just your music, but you've got a lot of great insight into Christianity and, and all this kind of stuff, the, the faith landscape of America. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what we talk, want to talk to you about today. Uh, you want to kind of give a brief intro yourself before we get going with things? Yeah. Um, so my name is Jay Crum. Um, I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan. I live in Omaha, Nebraska now. Um, I've, you know, I've been, I've been making music for a long time. I, uh, I started out in kind of the Christian hip hop um, sphere of of things, um, but over the last couple of years, um, I've gravitated away from that. Um, as you know, as my faith journey has kind of shifted and everything. So, um, yeah, but I'm excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So, what what got you started making music? Um. I think originally it was boredom. Like, um, I had, I had, um, a bunch of, uh, I had a bunch of time at school because I got ahead in credits. So I was ahead in credits, but my mom didn't trust me. I I got in trouble a lot. So my mom didn't trust me to get an early out. So I was super smart, but you know, mischievous, right? I just was, I just was, you know, doing stuff I wasn't supposed to. So my mom didn't trust me to get an early out. So I had three study halls, um, in oh, wow. my junior year of high school. And so um, then I uh, I just downloaded a bunch of beats off the internet and burned them onto a CD. Um, and I started writing. And that's kind of like how you, what I did to like occupy my time. So then I would go like whenever kids were like freestyling at the lunch table and stuff like that, I would like go up there and I would like rap something that I wrote or something and you know, people thought it was dope. And that was kind of how I got started, like finding out that, like, oh, uh, by, you know, kind of the peer test, right? And finding out that yeah. like, people was really rocking with it. So I just kept going from there. That's really cool. Has, has your stuff always been kind of faith focused? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, from when I started, I was, you know, I grew up in church. Um, so it was like, like that was kind of everything for me for you know, most of, uh, my teenage years and early, early twenties. Yeah. And how has 
you're I'll probably getting into this more later too, but how has your faith impacted what you write? You kind of mentioned that a little bit. But. Yeah, I think because um, early on, man, I was super, super, super devout. So like uh, everything early on was like all about Jesus. So mm-hmm. like my whole, like everything was about my faith early on. So I think, um, yeah, so I would say, I would say it influenced my music uh, like crazy. It was it, it was literally everything. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in a very very like religious household, so mm-hmm. you know it comes with its own struggles with that, right? Because you don't really get to be a a teenager because <laughs> you you know you got all these rules and regulations and everything like that. So you kind of got to yeah. like, and you have kind of your whole eternity hanging over your head, right? So. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of it was even like just pressure of just being like, if I'm going to do music, I have to do it like this or else like, I'm not going to have any support, uh, anyway. So, right. Yeah. And it, it, I kind of, I'm thinking back to high school and cause Steve and I both grew up in, um, you know, devout Christian homes and Mm -hmm. like high school, uh, especially I'm, you know, I didn't go to Christian school or something. So I'm even more defined by my faith in that environment and right, right. I'm a teenager. So I'm fired up about everything and passionate yeah. about everything that I do. Uh, you know, and some stuff I look back at, I'm like, Oh, that was awesome that I was into photography, but some stuff I look back, I'm like, Oh, I was, you know, the president of the young Republicans club too. And yeah. you know, like the, <laughs> that passion both gives us like these cringe moments, but also like drives us to be, creative or you know whatever yeah yeah i had i had like um a lanyard that i kept my keys on that said i love jesus like over and over and over again (laughs) it was just really it was like when i think about certain things that like it it, dude stuff was like super cringe bro like it was just really (laughs) some stuff was just came (laughs) off really really corny um but like you know, you're a teenager. You go to youth group. They tell you, you know, like <laughs> these are the things you're supposed to do, and you need to lead all your friends to Christ, and you need to do all these things. And so, um, that's how I, you know, that's how I grew up. So, that's a lot of pressure, isn't it? It is. It is. <laughs> you know, for the on a 15 year old kid, 16 year old kid, like yeah. save all your friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Holy yeah, crap. they go to hell. Yeah. It's your fault. Right, right, right. <laughs> the blood is on your hands. I remember. I remember. Uh, there's been like sermons that I at that age oh. when the pastors talking about, you know, the blood is on your hands if you don't lead them to Christ. The blood is on your hands if you don't give them the gospel. Just like heavy, heavy, heavy stuff. Man. Yeah. So the man, I just thought of several. I've had a really cringe T-shirt that I'm not even gonna say what it said, but. Um, <laughs> So you you kind of had this structured boredom though, right? Which maybe right. is like the recipe for to give to teenagers for them to just become creative, right? Like yeah. make them sit down and and then let them be bored. Yeah. And so you took the you had music and you you started uh writing in high school. So then where did that take you next? Um so there was a person at my church who kind of found out he he was also a security guard at the school. So he would hear me rapping like um, in like hallways or at lunch tables and stuff Mm. like that. And it's like, it started to like, people were starting to like notice. Um, And so he was like, yo, let me, you know, let me pay for your studio time. So he started paying for my studio time and I would be recording. I came out with my first mixtape when I was 17 um oh, wow. and so uh from there I started getting booked uh by other churches around the city to come do shows and so things started to kind of pick up steam where I'm you know I'm performing maybe 3 4 times a month at different youth groups and you know churches and stuff like that around the city and then uh when I graduate high school I end up going to uh like a master's commission type program. I don't, you guys know, you guys familiar with master's commission? No, it's okay. So it's like, a, it's a, they, they, it's pitched to you as like this discipleship program. Um, so I think, a, I think a lot of like assemblies of God churches have them. 
Okay. Um, where like you have the, you know, you have people fresh out of high school and they kind of send you on a ministry track. So depending on what you want to do, you know, you, you'll, uh, you'll join this, you'll live on campus, you'll, um, you know, you pay tuition, but it's like the super intensive discipleship program. You can't date your, you know, you can't watch like rated R movies. You can't. Like listen to me. It was like when you look when I look back back on it now, it was like super culty, like like super mm. super super culty. But like I had joined it with like this excitement of like I'm going to get closer to God. I'm going to learn more about God. You know, I'm going to get you know when this is all said and done, I'm going to be prepared for ministry, um, everything like that. And so so I I left uh, I let when I left home to go do this. I the the home I grew up in was super religious, but they were also super exclusive. So it was like this thing of like, you don't you don't just go to other churches. Like you you know yeah we're familiar yeah, yeah we, so we can relate <laughs> yeah yeah. So when I left, like I was like excommunicated. Like my family wasn't really? talking to me. It was you know it was bad. So I was like, all right, well I'm leaving this, and I felt like you know, I felt like I was like free, but. What happened was I left one super toxic situation and I joined a completely new super toxic situation. Mm. And uh, and I was I was the only black kid there. Oh, there was one other one. But uh, like if in the whole congregation, it was like 500, 600 people. And there's like two black people. And, wow. and they did a lot to try to they did a lot to like try to invalidate my experience, uh, my mm. opinions. A lot of that. And so um, and I put up with a lot of it because it was like, one, I have nowhere else to go. And two, like, I, they would keep saying, like, this is how you do ministry. Like, if you can't handle this, you can't handle ministry, you know, if you can't. Yeah. So yeah. stuff like that. So, it would, you know, I put up with a lot. How was the uh, – I'm just curious because the – I mean, we uh, – I I very much uh, identify with what you're saying mm-hmm. Um are the denomination that we grew up in. Uh, certain ones are more exclusive than others, but you yeah. know, uh, kids and, and friends of mine that have similar experiences. Um, I ended up going, though, to the same, you know, same school that identifies with the same tradition and still kind of met this, you know, you know, I was the co- the high school kid full of, of ideals, and yeah. then I end up, in kind of the reality. And I've just been waiting for this moment where I'm going to be surrounded by Christians and like Christian yeah. mentors and all this stuff. Um, I'm curious how, like what drew you to this, that, that was so powerful that you kind of left your, you know, your family's tradition. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think it was, um, I had, I was so like, uh, I was so hurt at where I was. I think also the fact that it was so exclusive, right? Because it, I grew up, um, I grew up apostolic. And so, um, kind of how they believed like was no one else other than who has like that doctrine is actually even saved. So like, yeah. you know, even other like Christian groups were like not saved for real because they didn't believe exactly like they did. And because of that, I was so closed off and then to see that there was this program or this church or whatever, that's like, Hey, we travel around the country and we do youth services and we, we do all that. It was like, Oh man, it's this whole other world out there uh, mm-hmm. that I can experience, you know? And so, uh, and you'll grow closer to God and find other people and that share the same passion, you know? And so that's what really attracted me to, wanting to leave where I was and and try this new thing. So it was like a kind of the generic evangelical church that you found? Yeah, it was. It was. So it was like the every like complete opposite <laughs> from mm-hmm. <laughs> from what I was what I was used to, right? Um so you kind of go in wide-eyed like, "Oh, snap," you know. And yeah, man, it was it's not it's not made for somebody like me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I quickly learned that I tried to adapt and I tried to, you know, I tried to change and try to do all that, but it's, you know, 
it's just not it's not set up for a person a person like me to to you know flourish or grow or whatever whatever what do you, you, what do you mean it. by like you yeah so um you know i'm from the inner city uh-huh. um i'm black so my experiences my perspective my the the things that i'm passionate about the things i believe in um, even the way that I vote, right? The, all of these things are, are, um, all these things are like completely opposite. So when I say like, oh yeah, what kind of attracted to me is like it's 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 something different, it's something new or whatever, it's something I haven't experienced. At the same time, it's like yeah, this is uh, like they, at the same time they don't take into account that oh, there's somebody here who has a different experience or different opinion. Um, and like, and also don't take into account that, Hey, maybe we've been wrong about our opinion or mm. our experience or, you know, or, or maybe like his experience is just as valid as ours is, you know? So um, like there was times where like, even in like, there's been like, there was like a prayer service and the senior pastor from the mic literally said, Hey, Jake, you know, Hey, Jay Crumb, stop being so black. Like, <laughs> what? yeah. What? Yeah, he like told me stop being so black. Like, like, um, oh my word. Um, they would, you know, I would, I would walk down the hallway and people would be like, "Yo, what's up, homie?" and start doing their hands all week, you know, just like, <laughs> just yeah, bro. It was just like cr- uh. this really weird, weird stuff. Super, like a lot of microaggressions, um, mm-hmm. a lot of just straight up overt racism, and so yeah, it's not, it's not really, it's not really set up for, you know. A person like me to when I say that, that's what I mean. Like it's not really yeah, I gotcha. a person like me gotcha. to um, flourish. Yeah, you it's know. definite culture clash, but yeah, if nothing for sure. else, you know. Yeah, and, and, and it, go ahead. I was gonna say it. It kind of sounds like you know that every group has unspoken rules that they live by. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, nobody tells them to you. You just learn them, right? And then that becomes your reality. It's kind of your goldfish tank, the edges of your reality. And then, right. you know, you've got a, a place like that. And then you're there just naturally from, from the rules that you're taught or the culture that you have. But you just run into the side of the goldfish tank over and over again. Right, right. And so it looks like you're, you know, from the, from the group that's like, they're like, why are you causing trouble? Exactly, exactly. It's just, and, and I got into, like, that was a thing. Like, I got in trouble all the time. Uh, just for me offering a different perspective. Mm-hmm. One of the things you, you learn very quickly, like, is you, like, they would always like say, Hey, you know, um, we value diversity here. We, we value diversity. And I hear that all the time from like, especially from evangelical churches, you know, diversity, diversity, diversity. Um, diversity is honoring people's experiences and cultures. Right. What you guys are really talking about is uh, or what you're really asking from people from different cultures is to assimilate to the dominant culture, which is white culture. Mm -hmm. So you're asking me to assimilate and uh, make all my ideals, the way that I talk, the way that I dress, um, the music that I listen to. You want all of it to get in line with the dominant culture here. Um, And if I don't do that then I'm causing trouble, right? If I don't do that, then I'm, you know, I'm causing division or all of these things. Right. And, uh, so that's been, that's, that's, that's been one of my biggest gripes with evangelical church is they're not asking for diversity. They're not calling for diversity. They don't value diversity. You know, having a black worship leader up there singing Hillsong isn't diversity. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you just have a black face doing doing all the things that are popular in white culture. That's that's not diversity. So um so yeah. That had to be frustrating and uh, disheartening in a lot of ways to be at a place where you're trying to connect with God and everything around you is saying that you're the wrong person. Yeah. Yep. Ugh. And just kind of a you know, like I identify with the school in this story. You know, mm-hmm. like <laughs> I get, I understand what it was like to think of diversity with zero amount of imagination. 
Right, right. You know, like everyone thinks exactly like me and and has the same experience as me and grew up in the same, you know, uh, subculture as me. And so I see someone else and I'm like, why are they, you know, I, I yeah, totally Yeah, why do get you that. think like that? Why do you, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Sure. Um, were you making music while you went there or what happened to your, I was, I was, I was, um, so it wasn't, uh, I wasn't making it as often. Um, but what I was doing was I was helping write, uh, I was helping write for the worship team, the youth worship team. Mm. Um, and so I was leading, I was one of the leaders there. So I would, you know, we would write our original music and stuff like that. So a lot of my time and effort went towards writing and recording, albums for the youth worship team which was another thing that was like they took full advantage bro because like i never saw a cent you know like i never saw a dime for any of the music that i wrote we went we like we were on tour we would like i mean we put out like four albums while i was there wow um so we were touring we were selling shirts we were doing all of these things, and I like, yeah, never saw a dime. I was paying, helping pay for features. I was paying, helping pay for mixing, and never saw any return on that at all. Um, mm. Completely took advantage of our gifts and and uh, you know effort and everything, and profited because I know they made like they made a decent amount, you know. Yeah. Um, so you you went on from there, and then uh, what led you to where you are now? Yeah, so I was so I I uh I finished up my ministry track. I was part of that program for maybe 3 years. I finished up my ministry track and then they started like getting me interviews at churches, but they were all so I I wanted to I wanted to pastor in the inner city. Mm. But of course, you got this is a, you know, a white evangelical church that has zero connections to any churches in the inner city. So they're sending me to like all of these like super rural areas to like, you know, to interview for like pastoral jobs. Like Mm. you got me, I'm like going to like Aurora and like Auburn, Nebraska and like (laughs) places like I didn't even know existed until you said, hey, there's this this church in this city. And I'm (laughs) like, you know. So I'm going to these places and, you know, I'm in you know, I'm interviewing and like, they know it's not a good fit. I know it's not a good fit. We know it's, this isn't going to work, but um, that's, you know, and so I ended up um, finding uh, an inner city church on my own that was interested in having me, you know, be a, come on staff and help out and everything like that. And they derailed it. They called the church, really? they called the church and said, you know, uh, why are you trying to steal our members and all, it just got, it got really, really weird. And so it like ruined my opportunity to, to work there, you know, and it got really, so like, uh, stuff got weird, man. I remember, um, I remember leaving. So I left there and I just started help. I helped a friend of mine. I did, I did, I couldn't even, I wasn't even like public about it. I was just helping a friend of mine plant his church. Um, and I think I shared one of his services and I had all these, all the pastors from, you know, the church I was from the, from where I, the school was, you know, messaging me and calling me and asking me like, you know, if you're going to leave, we should have had a conversation and all of this weird, mm. just weird stuff. And the, the youth pastor there was like, Hey, I'm getting ready to take over the church. I want you to come on staff and you know things are going to be different, all this stuff, whatever. And I think, I think with me, um, it was this thing of of like, I don't know, man. It was it was like this weird hold. I felt like like it was there was still some of that control that was like, like I was still like, I can't really explain it, man. There was still like a part of me that like wanted to be accepted. It was still a part of me that like wanted to, like, not feel like I just didn't waste my. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't waste all my time doing this thing. You know, well, you I wasted, invested a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of time, a lot of money, yeah. relationships. So I'm like, yo, like maybe I can see, maybe this is, maybe this could be worth it. So I, you know, I come back. You know, I'm, I am, I'm now leading uh, like the church worship team, and um, so I'm there. 
but after like three months, it's pretty apparent that uh, the guy who was a youth pastor is actually not going to be taking over the church. His dad won't give it up to him, whatever. So he ends up leaving. Hmm. So, <laughs> so and your he, promises went out the window with it. Right, right, right. So when he leaves, he leaves. He he goes and he uh, gets a gets a uh, job as a pastor in California. So he leaves, and so when he leaves, I'm like, all right, well, I have no reason to be here, so <laughs> I'm done. And so I I didn't do. I wasn't like part of church for a long time. I was kind of floating around, but I didn't really feel any like uh, urge to like do anything. This was maybe around 2014. Um, And so I was still doing music. I was still like performing at churches. I was still doing that. I had a show. I met my wife. Uh, there she was. I mean, I don't like. She, I, she's my wife now, but when I saw her, she wasn't my wife. But I was. I, I had a show. I saw her, and um, I uh, I ended up asking her out, and so you know things are starting to get a little more serious. And she's like, "Hey, you know, I would, you know, uh, like I do see a future with you and everything like that, but like I would love to for you to like start coming to church with me." And so I'm like, I, you know, I really like this girl. So sure, <laughs> I'm trying to make this work. So I went back to church, and so we, you know, we were doing that. I wasn't really liking where we were at. We ended up finding a, a different church that was like okay, and you know, they want me to be like the youth minister and stuff like that. Um, mm. So like, uh, I ended up, I ended up trying it, you know. And so this was maybe 2015, 2000, 2000 yeah, f- 2015, 2016. We get married. So I'm doing that. I get we get married uh, in 2016, and then I, you know, I'm helping out. I'm doing youth ministry. I'm doing all that for about about two years. My music starting to take off around here. This is maybe 2018. My music starting to take off, and then. I have a, a really cool opportunity in Atlanta. And so I'm telling like the church about this cool opportunity I have in Atlanta. And the associate pastor pulls me aside and was like, hey, I feel like this is actually a distraction. I think you should, you know, it's a distraction. It's trying to pull you away from youth ministry. It's trying to pull you away. You need to be here. You know, this music thing is just, you know, taking you from your true purpose. And... I remember just being like, I'm done. I'm tired of being controlled. I'm tired of all these mm. people trying to tell me like what my life is supposed to be and yeah. um, everything like that. So I ended up leaving there and, you know, I kind of had, I had this like, um, I had this, I had a heart to, to like want to, or had this desire, maybe this desire to want to plant my own church. And wanted to plant a church that was like, I don't want it to be anything that I've seen as like toxic or abusive or anything like that. Right. right. So um, I had a, uh, I had a, another pastor friend who he had like a church planning residency and he was like, yo, like whatever church you want to plant, I want to help, you know? So like, you know, you come, you can, you can come, you can serve out of here, but I want to help train you and whatever. Like we could, you know, help you get resources and everything to like really plant this church. And I'm like, okay, cool. So uh, this is what 2018. So I spend about, you know, most of 2018 into 2019 here at this church serving and um, getting ready to plant. It gets to be early 2020, where like I really we're really moving now. Um, I'm getting ready to do my first service and then the pandemic hits. Um, (laughs) So we go straight. So I was like, so we never even actually had like a service. We had, we went straight digital off rip. Now that's, that is, I don't, you know, (laughs) not uh, recommended. Yeah. Not recommended. (laughs) Zero out of 10 would not recommend at all. And uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I tried that, but around that time news about Ahmaud Arbery came out. Um, and so I'm pretty vocal about this, right? And that got the attention of different pastors around the city. 
one, because, you know, I, I already make music and have been pretty, you know, I'm pretty well known. And two, like Buzz is kind of going around that. OK, well, he's a pastor now and he's planted a church and everything. And so when I'm being I'm being outspoken on these issues, I live in Omaha, Nebraska, by the way. So it's not like it's uh, like white evangelicalism is like very prevalent here. Um, yeah. Diversity is not what I think of when I think of Omaha. Right, right, right. Um, so, but it's very, it's also very segregated. So you got like, uh, just to give it like a little bit of a, um, you know, so you guys can kind of see what the city is kind of like. So Warren Buffett lives in Omaha. It has like the most billionaires per capita in America, but it also, yeah, but it also, I'm not billionaire, millionaires per capita. So it's one of the safest places for like a white family to raise their kids. But it's also one of the most dangerous for black people to live because of the uh, black victimization homicide, uh, the black homicidal victimization rate um, per capita is so high. Um, And then also Omaha is was notorious for redlining. Um, And Mm. so basically what redlining is, is just for the people listening, is banks were denying loans to home loans to uh, minorities uh, for certain areas, so they can uh, so they could keep white people in a certain area, keep bla- and, and uh, put push black people to underdeveloped areas, um, which also with that means like um, because of the property tax, because of property tax dollars, money not as much money is going to the schools and all of that. So then you it, it just continues this vicious cycle of poverty, yeah. um, and so that's our city is faces that a lot. So saying all that to say, Ahmaud Arbery happens. I'm being pretty, I'm being super vocal. George Floyd is murdered. I'm, I'm, I'm continuing to be super vocal, but around that time, because it's a pandemic, because there's no, you know, we don't have all these other distractions and everything. America is kind of forced to look at itself. Right. Yeah. And because that happens, the churches want to talk about it. All of a sudden our churches want to talk about it. So they're calling me. And they're bringing me to the, you know, they, they want to have conversations. They want to do these online, you know, discussions and all these things. Um, and so I participate. I participate in these. And, uh, you know, I'm getting messages from church members, from wives of pastors, from pastors, just telling me how much division I'm causing, telling me, you know, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization, uh-huh. you know, um, you, you're condemning police brutality. You need to condemn riots, like all of these things being thrown in my face. Right. And like, that was really when I was like, you know what? I'm done. Like, I don't want anything to do with any of this anymore because like, I should not have to continue to defend my existence. Right. Yeah to people that I'm supposed to be sharing a faith with. Right. And so, uh, so like I'm done. And that was, that was really the thing for me that was like, not necessarily like it was me like walking away from Jesus at that point, but it was definitely a thing where like, Hey, whatever this politicized gentrified, Christianity, whatever this is, like I, I, ha- I don't want anything to do with anymore, and so, and so that's when I really, that's what really sparked me, like really looking into, you know, church history and biblical history and uh, things like that. So yeah, so that's kind of what brought me to where I am now. So that kind of the kicked off the the quote unquote deconstruction right. of your life. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well. That's, that's, uh, yeah, that's gotta be frustrating. I mean, I being like what you said, especially being told who you are or who you're supposed to be. Right. Right. That's that's kind of, kind of a theme. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. A lot of your Christian life sounds like. Yeah, it was. I, I, from, from uh, the church that I grew up in from the age of 12, they were telling me I'm supposed to be a youth pastor. So like. You know, and and not only a youth pastor, but a youth pastor at that church. So, like, you can imagine mm-hmm. the tension with my family that anything I'm doing in my adult life that's not being a youth pastor at that church means I'm in sin 
means I'm si- I'm outside the will of God because I am not a yeah. youth pastor at that church, you know. Um uh, well, yeah. that that kind of brings us to where I kind of came across you. Yeah. Because I got I got uh, into TikTok, I don't know how. Um <laughs> but I, you know, Nathan and I started this podcast almost a, a exactly a year ago. Okay. And I hadn't even heard the term deconstruction before. And yeah. we, we were just, we had both, we're, I, uh, we were both considering leaving the, the church we grew up in, you know, the same place here in Fort Collins, Colorado, where we are. And uh, uh, after a while, we heard the term deconstruction. So I sort of went on TikTok looking up deconstruction stuff and came across your song, Clarity. And uh, I, I want to play just a, a, the first verse of that, if I could. If, yeah, is that for right sure. With you? Yep. And so f- folks who haven't heard it can can take a listen. And then I want to talk to you about the uh, about what led you to write it and, and maybe some of the f- feedback you got from it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh. Lately, I've been questioning all my traditions. Like, is my mindset just a byproduct of my religion? If I continue in my life without a pot to piss in, my politics ain't lining up, that's where I found the distance. I bought my fist up and I probably put it in the air. And then they tell me that I'm Marxist, it should be aware. Ain't trying to step in your cathedral with my nappy hair. I seen your Jesus European, his complexion fair. How does it feel to know his skin was probably black as mine? I know some pastors that be triggered if they heard that line. Like, why you make it black and white? Well, I experienced the blackest nights within the walls of your creation. Been fighting to find a light. You're blind, yeah, Jesus ain't no friend of me. Don't pretend he ain't the king of white supremacy. They manipulated scripture just to paint a tainted picture. Let me present you with some truth so we can tear down all your fictions. Fantastic words Thank and you. great beat. <laughs> oh man, um, I appreciate you. Pretty some pretty uh upfront lyrics there, man. Yeah. <laughs> In your face. Yeah. So what what led you to I know you've made a couple uh, videos of this on TikTok, but what, what led you to some of the the what what you wrote in that song? Yeah, I think um it was a lot, man. It was a lot. It I I was I was finally, I was just fed up and I, I was tired of the microaggressions. I was tired of, I was tired of one, the lack of response to, uh, that the church had to the in your face racism that was facing black people. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it was like, there was things happening. You could not ignore and like either they were silent or they were like defending it mm. seeing that uh, as i was as i was also like searching out like church history and finding out like how christianity even or at least or at least western christianity how it even came to black people like how like mm-hmm. when we look at the history of america right we look at what Christians have done. You look at how it was Christians that justified displacing of natives, right? Mm-hmm. It was Christians who justified slavery. It was Christians who like literally got slaves, forced them into Christianity, and then like like ban them from even being able to read the scripture to yeah, see yeah. like whether what they're telling them is right or wrong. You know what I mean? Um, like that's how, that's how the inception of Christianity was brought to my, my ancestors, you know? Mm. Um, and so that seeing how the, even the image of Jesus had been whitewashed, Right. On how like it was completely it was completely changed because white people 
didn't feel comfortable with worshiping a person of color. Mm. Like that was like, or and then even seeing how Christian nationalism has influenced influenced this this cult. Like it does it, this culture. It doesn't make any sense. And then being a person within. I'm sorry. I have a lot of reasons, but being a person <laughs> within time, man. <laughs> uh, uh, Christian hip hop, right? So I'm a, a person within Christian hip hop. Hip hop was created by black and Puerto Rican people to speak up about their trauma, to speak up about um, police brutality, to speak up about the treatment of minorities in America. Right. And I get on Twitter and it's nothing but a bunch of white faces telling me how I should rap, telling me what I should be talking about, telling me I need to stick to these issues, telling me all of those things. Like, I was so sick of the colonization, colonialism. I was so sick of, of continuing to submit to this type of oppression. Um, and so, yeah, so that's what that, that those are the things that Clarity came out of, of just like. I'm tired of the bullshit. Like I don't. Sorry, I don't know if you. I didn't. I don't That's know fine. If you can, all right, uh, but we I was don't tired. Know okay, all right, cool, cool. Can uh, <laughs> now. Um, right, right, right. So, um, but I was tired of it, man. And so, um, so yeah. Yeah. So when you when you say you're searching for clarity, what clarity are you looking for? Um, searching for clarity as far as like, um, because I'm a black man in America it is impossible for thoughts of colonialism to not influence my worldview, right? right? And so it is me searching out what life could be like without those influences. Mm -hmm. It's me searching for clarity on, you know, what were my people doing before this? it's me searching for clarity of, of how can I remove these toxic ideologies from my life? Um, Mm -hmm. it's me looking for clarity of like, what could life be like, you know, without these things. And so, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's like I said, it's a powerful song. And you know, uh, honestly, when I first heard it, some of the lines can make you uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You know, I think that's kind of the point. (laughs) Right. Right. Like, um, Especially like well, you said, I wrote down some of the lyrics. I said, um, uh, your blonde hair, Jesus ain't no friend to me. Don't pretend yeah. he ain't the king of white supremacy. It's like, yeah, that made a lot of people ooh, upset. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that made a lot of people mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what was the response to your, to, to this when it came out? Yeah, it was, it was a mix. It was a mix. Uh, definitely a mixed reaction. Um, yeah. It, there were, uh, so, I mean, the de- that's, this is actually how I got introduced to the deconstruction community. I, I wasn't really in, like, the deconstruction community bef- prior to this song. I didn't even mm. know, like, what to call it. Like, and, like, black people, we don't call it, like, deconstruction. Like, we just, like, oh, you left the church? Yeah, me too. Like, that's, like, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, you looking for answers? Yeah, me too. We don't, we didn't, there wasn't, like, a label. We don't have, like, a label. And so, um, so when the song came out though, like, yes, deconstruction community loved it. They were sharing it, you know, they were posting a bunch of videos on it and reactions and stuff like that. That was really cool. But then you had like, once, once like white evangelicals got a hold of it, um, Mm. or even like black people who were like heavily influenced by like white evangelicals, when they got a hold of it. Um, it was, man, you're focusing on the wrong thing. And man, you, you are really like, uh, you're really, really causing division here. And wow, you really lost your way. And all of these things kind of came with that as well. Like, what does it matter if Jesus is white? Or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, Jesus could be purple. I'm still going to worship. I'm like, I, I understand yeah. that. But this isn't about me like trying to make God in my own image, right? This is me calling out the people who did. Right. Right. Somebody decided, you know, that somebody decided I am literally, we are literally going to change the color of Jesus. And, 
you know, to 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 someone who who makes us more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to continue to co- do art, and you know, we're going to continue to do all that, and like for all of that to happen, and for like people not to think that's going to affect people is wild to me, you know. But it's yeah. it's that it's that same thinking that I was talking about earlier when it comes to you know, a lot of these white evangelical circles, you don't care about, a, uh, or even not even, I mean, not even be that you don't care, but it's this don't, you don't even consider that there's a person with a different experience that, uh, uh, than you, yeah, right. Yeah. That there's a person who, who could be negatively affected by your worldview, right. Um, out of ignorance, it might even not even be out of hatred, it's just out of your own ignorance of not understanding that, hey, somebody's coming from a different perspective, a different, you know, that, you know, there's the, black people don't look at America like a Christian nation. Right. We don't look at it as this amazing place that we can stand up. And like when I hear, you know, when I hear um, the Pledge of Allegiance, it doesn't mean the same thing when you hear the Pledge of Allegiance, right? When I see the American flag, it doesn't mean the same thing when when you see the American flag, right? Like, our experiences are different. And, like, you don't take that into consideration. But you, so, like, so when I say, hey, no, white Jesus is violence. <laughs> when I say that, I mean that with my whole mm-hmm. chest, that that is violence because someone decided to change that because they needed to feel like that white was superior, right? They needed to feel like my God has to match this because this is going to like that, that iconography, like white Jesus helped uh, defend slavery. It helped, it helped prop white people up in a position of power and a position of superiority. So, so yeah, that's why that's why it matters. And so so when people say it doesn't matter, like it's you're just being short sighted. You don't see how it actually negatively affects people who don't look like you, you know. Yeah. You're really rocking the goldfish tank. You know, it's yeah. Same, yeah, for like, sure. No. Yeah. Why are you talking about this stuff that we take for granted that we don't question? Like, why are you, you know, you're, you're just going. It's the same thing as the school, right? You're. Yeah. Uh, uh, like the the dominant culture is going to say like, what, what are you talking about? And why are you, exactly. you know, we're all fine with this. So why can't, mm-hmm. yep. why can't you be, you, right. you posted something that, uh, I had never thought of this. Cause I'm, again, I'm guilty of that. I'm, I'm a white Christian living in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you posted how, um, how deconstruction is a different thing in the black community, especially yeah. around, uh, Christian nationalism. Right. Because you uh your lived experience has never been, you know, you don't want to get back to some great thing. Right, you know? right, right. There's no make a, make America great. It wasn't it's not great for us. You know, <laughs> right. like, we, we didn't so it's like a, say that. It's a it feels like a different but parallel path, you know what I mean? Like there's similar mm-hmm. events that are causing these cuz you said, you know, my my politics, you know, what caused this the separation or the, that's when you started Yeah, to yeah, notice. yeah. That's where it started. Yeah. Which is yeah. like a a lot of what what the white church is going through, mm-hmm. but like from different angles. You know what I mean? Right, right. You know, like because for me it wasn't like for and you could correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot for like a lot of white Christians it was like, oh, I I I thought this way, right? For or for or at least white Christians who have deconstructed, I had thought this way for a long time. I had thought mm-hmm. you know Republican was a way to go. I thought, you know, right, right wing, right politics, all of that. Something happened. You shifted your thinking and it was like, okay. And so some of that politics or whatever, you, you found that tension of, of just being like, hey, I don't know if I agree with this anymore. Yeah. With black community, it was like, oh, no, we like we voted Democrat. Welcome to the party. You know what I mean? Like we, yeah, we like, hey, we, we, you know, we, we weren't voting for Trump. You know, we weren't, we weren't celebrating that. We, you know, we, it, it, so, um, and, and, and not even like, uh, and it's not even about necessarily like the political party, but it was this thing of, of like this feeling of patriotism and this feeling of like, this is our home and we need to fight for it with, you know, that wasn't, that's not prevalent in our community. 
you know? Yeah. So the deconstruction comes from a whole different angle. So when I speak about the politics, it's one, because my music has kind of made me a public public figure in certain things. So there's, there's people from other walks of life who are exposed to me, right? So I post a video that might have a black fist and I got some white person coming up to me and telling me I'm a Marxist. You know what I mean? Or telling me like, <laughs> you know, like just, just, or coming to try to tell me about like Africa and my history and all, like all this stuff that like I know about, I'm not going to, you're not going to sit here and try to educate me on who I am and where I come from and what I believe and what my symbols mm-hmm. come from and everything like that. Like that's, get the fu- like, sorry, I don't want to cuss too much on it, but like, get out of here, man. Like, <laughs> so um, but, but when it comes to like deconstruction, deconstructing from the black church, it comes from a different angle because it's like, we talk about, you know, it, it's more of like escaping control. It's more about like finding mm-hmm. our true identity when we come into like, so when we come into collision of, uh, or when we lean into the tension of how did we even get here, we begin to see that it was violence that got us here, right? That it was. And so a lot of black deconstruction is the search for black dignity dignity again. Um, The search for who we truly are. The search for, you know. um, So that's why, like, when you see some black people who, like, deconstruct, they might switch to more of, like, an Ethiopian, like, orthodoxy type, theology or they'll if they if they stay in christianity or or they'll go to more like african traditional type stuff uh yoruba um things like that or they might just completely deconstruct and you know they're just spiritual some maybe completely void of spiritual but the reasons of why they deconstructed are very very different a lot of it comes around to the the term that uh, i it's new for me the last few months decolonizing yeah your, your for faith. sure for sure. Like what, like you see, you're saying earlier, like what would this be like if my ancestors hadn't been dr- drug over here as slaves and forced to do this thing? Yeah. And yeah. And that's, and what that's, parts of this are European and white and what parts of this are Christian? Right, right. Right. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And figuring out, you know, what that could be and what that could look like in our, co- in our current context. Right. Yeah. And leaning into all of the uncomfortability, I think, I think a lot of times we avoid it, right? So I put out a video recently talking about uh, Christianity and the transatlantic slave trade. Mm-hmm. And like people were angry with me. Like I was like, you're trying to like, you're trying to get people to deconvert. I'm like, no, I literally, all I'm saying is if you... Listen, if I've said anything that is incorrect, please point it out, right? Because I'm not saying anything that's incorrect, right? Mm-hmm. So me just pointing into history and saying, hey, this is what happened, y'all, isn't me like trying to deconvert anybody. It's me just being honest about the history of it. So if you want to continue to practice this, that's fine. But lean into the uncomfortable tension with that, right? Because having cognitive dissonance about what happened historically is going to continue to is going to is going to help uh, the the offense continue to go right. It's going to continue to allow people to ignore each other's experiences, right? To ignore mm-hmm. each other's perspectives. It's going to do that because we're just choosing to not even acknowledge what has happened, right? Mm-hmm. So like. Me talking about history shouldn't be what deconverts you. If it makes you uncomfortable, lean into that and find out why, right? And find out what you should do about it. But like, uh, let's not ignore what's what 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 has happened, yeah. right? It's like you know the couple who just ignores their problems, so then fe- feels like they're great, or the right. couple who addresses their problems. Um, the problem is not saying the problem out loud. Right, right. It's it's a problem when you when you have this gut reaction to anyone who who dares to say, Absolutely. you know, there's there's an underbelly here, for sure. So you, I didn't realize. I knew that you were a Christian uh, artist or a Christian musician. Um, I didn't realize you were also a pastor. And I, yeah. you know, I 
I work on like water, so I can deconstruct and keep on treating water just fine. Right. right. Um, <laughs> so, you know, where you are now, it, it's kind of like a deep, uh, an earthquake shifting yeah. uh, kind of change. Yeah. So when you listen back to music you recorded, mm-hmm. do you still connect with those messages? You know, do you? Wow, that's a really good question. Um, so this, this, this question, so like I asked myself this question beginning of December, this actually led to me. Um, I recently made a statement just saying that I was agnostic. I don't know if you guys saw that, but I, yeah, recently, I did. uh, so, um, I had a show December 16th and I get on stage and I'm rapping and there was like lyrics I like um I literally had like a a, a visual uh like not visual but I had like a physical reaction to certain things I was saying. Hmm. Um and I was like, damn, I don't I don't believe this. Wow. Right now. You know, like I don't yeah. I uh and it, that was really, really tough because it was like, okay, what do I where where do I go from here? Right? Because I've now realized that I don't believe these things anymore. I'm having this, these physical reactions to like even speaking these lyrics. I don't think I can keep going and continue on performing, continue on releasing music without confronting this. And so, yeah. uh, and so when I say I'm agnostic, it basically, it's basically me saying I am no longer certain or confident in my belief. Right. I'm no longer, I'm no longer confident in enough things about Christianity, right? And enough things about the, even the nature of God to where I can continue to claim, you know, this religion, you know, or this faith or whatever. Um, And so I don't know what that looks like in the future, um, but I also know this, like anything that is true can stand up to the questions. Mm-hmm. Right. Anything that is true can stand up to the you, you researching, you searching out all of that. And so I wanted to be um, honest, you know, and I wanted to be I didn't want to, like, deceive my fan base uh, by continuing to, like, do things without me being like 100 percent all in um, or say things or perform things that I wasn't, you know. Yeah. Uh, at least confident in, because I don't think I need to be certain, but I think I need. I think I, you know, if I'm saying saying it, I should at least be confident in it. Yeah, that's the. I mean, that's the place that a lot of us going through this feel on yeah. some level. You know. Yeah. I mean, I, I have more questions than I have answers. You know, right. Than before I started going down this path, and there's a lot of things I don't know about anymore. Yeah. But you know. You know, kudos to you for being having the guts to to say it, and I totally make understand understand why. And there are yeah. things that I've, um, I've taught classes in the past about that I don't feel like I can teach that anymore because I yeah. just don't believe that. You know? Yeah. I do. I know we're we're kind of catching you. I mean, I feel like it's kind of raw, and not not like it was a, not a you know a long process, but I have a lot of respect for. Cause there's gotta be, I mean, that's, that's a pretty big leap or a, you know, a, a risk that you're taking that yeah. I think we put a lot like just a, any minister or pastor mm-hmm. to expect them. That's a performance in its in of itself to come out in front of people. I think at some point you come up to this kind of stuff and you either right. have to choose to be vulnerable or you have to choose to start putting on a mask. Right. And, um, I could, you know, sometimes putting on a mask is how you get through the day, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not speaking down to that. Um, but t- to open up, uh, in that kind of a position where it maybe impacts your bottom line. Um, I think that that's kind of an extra, extra burden that we put on ministers or pastors or, or artists, you know, like asking them you're either all in or all out. Um, for sure, yeah. You know, there's not a space for the 
you don't want to go to church and then your pastor say, now before I you know preach on Luke 2, I do want to say I'm not sure I believe this. Here we go. Right, you know? right, right. <laughs> um, or like I'm super depressed and I, you know, not feeling this at all. We, we, we kind of expect the opposite. Right, 100%. So um, just speaking to, to, to what you were saying, I, I think, yeah, I think for me, for me, like, I just, I got to be authentic, right? And I got to, um, I think the, the lack of vulnerability, I think the lack of, like, a person being able to say, like, hey, I don't know mm. publicly, like, is, you know, part of the, part of the toxic culture of, of, of you know, Western Christianity anyway, right? Yeah. And so I had to shake from that. Now, I know that makes people, you know, it made people uh, really, really uh, makes people nervous, right? Yeah. <laughs> it makes people, a lot of people really, really nervous and sad and people feeling like they need to defend their reality, instead. It, which is weird, right? Because the response is, for a lot of what I received was, People feeling the need to to defend their reality rather than rather than being empathetic or yeah. um, sitting with you in it. Yeah, right. And so, yeah, but yeah, as far as like what's next, um, I gotta uh, I have a single drop in January twenty eighth. I'm not sure when this episode comes out, but uh, January twenty eighth, uh, new single press is coming out. I have a bunch of music that is dropping. Uh, got a tour planned for this upcoming year, so oh, nice. So I should have some dates and stuff here dropping soon. Um, yeah, I keep seeing snippets of what music you're working on. I'm like, yeah. release it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna that that the release schedule is crazy. I'm really excited about what's next. Um, so the music's gonna keep coming out of you for like. sure. Yeah, at, at, at an even higher rate than than before. I, I took I took. Um, I took November and December off from releasing music. So, um, but now, uh, now I'm going to be dropping more consistent, a lot of music around my deconstruction. Um, Mm -hmm. so me leaning into the tension on certain things and me talking about my journey and just, you know, more vulnerability and, and all of that. And so uh, I'm really excited about, uh, what's next. So, yeah, me too. That's great. So, uh, Where can people find your stuff? What's the best place to start? Yeah, so uh, you can go to my website, jcrummusic.com, um, J-C-R-U-M music. Um, huh. And then you can follow me everywhere. Literally everywhere is Music. So the same Twitter handle, the same uh, Instagram handle, TikTok, everything is Music. Facebook, all of that. So yeah, and then if if you are an artist who are listening to this, I have a I have an independent artist company that we help do graphic design, marketing, consultations. I have a course on there for teaching you how to like market your own music and everything. And so how oh, nice. to brand yourself, all of that. So you can go to streetlightsounds.co um okay. and you can check out, you know, our services um you know, request features, all that type of stuff. We would love to be able to, to work with you. So, yeah. Well, man, I can't thank you enough for being, this has been fantastic. I, I could, I could talk with you for all, ever about this. So I've yeah, got man. a lot of more questions, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's uncomfortable to lean into the tension. We need more people doing that and saying the tension out loud and naming it. So definitely appreciate that. Uh, good to hear your perspective as well. And, uh, I think the I think it's kind of fighting to make space for this kind of thing possible, you know. Yeah. Um I think yeah. we need more of that, you know, people seeing that this is a, a place that's okay to occupy. You know? Right, right. Yeah, man. I appreciate y'all for real. This was, yeah. this was fun. Well, take care. See you later, man. Thanks so much. But it only takes a whisper. Hey, thanks for listening. We hope you got something out of the episode today. Check the show notes in your podcast app for all the links and references that were made, or you can find it all at followingthefire.com. If you'd like to support the show, 
please go to patreon.com slash following the fire to become a patron. And of course, we'd love it if you rate the podcast and share it with others. See you later. Yeah. Uh. Lately I've been questioning all my traditions Like is my mindset just a byproduct of my religion If I continue in my life without a pot to piss in My politics ain't lining up, that's why I found the distance I bought my fist up and I probably put it in the air And then they tell me that I'm Marxist, it should be aware Ain't trying to step in your cathedral with my nappy hair I seen your Jesus, your Let me present you with some truth so we can tear down all your fictions.